0: Hi everyone. I'm Melissa Burns and I'm Gina Carvellis and this is Let's Be Great One Five, a YMCA of the Rock River podcast dedicated to all things healthy living. Today's episode is part two in our series on skincare.
1: Yes, last week we talked all about lifestyle and skincare and this week we'll be diving in a little bit deeper into skin cancer and sun protection.
0: Yep. So important and really timely. Um, it's a good thing to talk about all of the time. And we do need, you know, to protect our skin in the winter too, but especially now as we're getting outside and we're, we're in the sun more and more, I think it's a great, great thing to be talking about today.
1: Yes. I'm so excited. The sun is out and we're upon summer. So, it's yeah, so great. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, we're so happy to have Dr. Melissa Stenstrom back with us today. To talk about this subject, Dr. Sentrum is originally from Kansas City area and is a board certified dermatologist. She graduated from University of Missouri in Columbia with a degree in biological engineering and continued her studies at the School of Medicine in Columbia, graduating with honors. Upon graduation, she completed her transitional year internship at St. Joseph Hospital in Milwaukee, followed by a residency in dermatology at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where she served as chief resident during her final year. After completing her dermatology training in Madison, she achieved board certification and moved to Rockford where she has practiced ever since. Dr. Stenstrom enjoys serving the community by participating in several free skin cancer screenings annually and also serves as an assistant clinical professor for University of Illinois Rockford and takes great pleasure in mentoring young physicians and medical students interested in dermatology. Dr. Centrum is a member of the American Academy of Dermatology and the American Society for Dermatologic Dermatologic Surgeons. Goodness. Thank you for continuing our conversation about skin care today.
0: Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me again. So, yes, we're I'm I'm very happy. We've got warmer weather coming and summer months are are here quickly approaching and so it's important to talk about skin um, cancer screenings and and regular sun protection, but really quickly, it's just as important in, in winter too, right? I mean, we should, you know, we don't want to neglect it or think that, oh, we're indoors in the summer t- or in the winter time, and it's not as important. It's just as important. Am yeah. I right or wrong? It's important
2: in the winter time, and uh, I'm just as happy as the next guy with the sun coming out and enjoying some warmer weather. So it just becomes a little harder to avoid the sun during the summer months, and um, not that you need to avoid it, but just to to do all of your normal activities a bit more smartly.
0: Okay, great. And, and we should be, you know, people should be having regular skin cancer screenings. Now, should they start that at a certain age? Or is it something you should be doing, you know, from adulthood on? Or what's the recommendation there? So the
2: recommendation is that um, a can of skin cancer related checkup should be about every three years for people aged 20 to 40 years and then annually for people over 40. Um, it's not a strong guideline like say mammograms, but it's a strong recommendation that people over 40 should probably have their skin checked either by their primary care doctor or a dermatologist once a year.
0: Okay. Great. And then sun protection it goes hand in hand with the skin cancer screenings. Just, just why is this so important why should we be thinking about these things? Yeah.
2: So unfortunately skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States and it's an, an alarming rise as well. Um, and melanoma, which accounts for only about 4% of skin cancer is responsible for about 75% of skin cancer related deaths. Um, melanoma is one of those cancers that really doesn't have symptoms at early stages. It doesn't have pain. It doesn't usually itch at the beginning. It's not bleeding. So that strengthens the case for some visual detection. when you can identify it early, it's very treatable. Um, But unfortunately, when caught late, sometimes uh, it can um, be deadly. So knowing that, um, inspection is really important and these skin cancer screenings are really important. And then also just knowing that we have some ways to modify our risks. So there there are some modifiable risk factors that can help to reduce one's overall risk of melanoma. Mm,
1: Okay. That's interesting. So, um, when we're talking about screenings in, you know, sun protection, is there, you know, that what you're seeing at your clinic, I mean, is there a specific patient population that is at higher risk or, you know, really should be focusing on sun protection and all ages. I guess that's kind of a lot of question all in one, but, you know, really just, you know, is there a certain population and what ages and when should we start focusing on sun protection?
2: Yeah, I'd say the younger patients um, with no real significant risk factors, no strong family history of melanoma, they would typically be monitored by their primary care physician. So a pediatrician might watch the moles on a child, Um, young people who just go see a primary care doctor or a gynecologist every few years or annually, they might be checking their moles. Um, people who would probably want to re- regularly see a dermatologist would include patients with really fair skin types, those, uh, skin types that are a tendency to freckle or burn. Um, mm-hmm. they're definitely at higher skin cancer risks, um, people who work outdoors occupationally. So they accumulate a large amount of sun exposure throughout their lifetime, and they'll be at higher risk of precancerous and cancerous skin lesions. So construction workers, uh, landscapers, truck drivers, people, uh, roofers,
0: mm-hmm. um,
2: those, those kind of patient populations. And then um, some special patient populations. So people on immunosuppressive therapies, transplant patients, um, uh, let's see, those, those type of people are also are at much greater risk. So those would be people who probably should be in a dermatologist clinic having real thorough examinations. Um, other thing would be a significant amount of sunburns as a child or um, tanning bed use. So people who've okay. used the tanning bed regularly in their teenage years even if they've stopped now um, unfortunately we can't erase that risk that as a risk factor that cannot be erased and the mm. incidence of melanoma has risen drastically in um, females especially uh, who use tanning beds so mm.
0: yeah wow. i I've thought of that often because um I'm old enough that sunscreen almost didn't exist when I was a kid. Like all you saw was the people with the white zinc oxide on their nose sometimes. we didn't, honestly, like I, we didn't have sunscreen. We had baby oil, that's what we put on. And, and then I was the opposite with my kids. Um, they were always coated, you know, their, their skin never saw the sun. And so that kind of leads me to my next question. I, I It's sort of two part, cause I've always heard that um, in order to get your vitamin D we all know you get that from the sun, but if you're covered in sunscreen, you, you're not gonna get it. And so I've seen people who advocate for you know, being out in the sun without any sunscreen at all, not for a long time and not during peak time, but for like 10 to 20 minutes to get that vitamin D. What, what's, what do you say about that? Well,
2: you can also get vitamin D through your diet. So generally a dermatologist is going to probably recommend if you're low in vitamin D to supplement with 1000 to 2000 international units of vitamin D um, and have it rechecked because vitamin D deficiency leads to some other problems. So it's important to to try to monitor your vitamin D and make sure that's in that normal range. Um, But it doesn't necessarily have to be through sun. Okay. All right. Non-carcinogenic ways.
0: (laughs) Okay, (laughs) that's a good answer. Um, And I know there's some other aspects of sun protection, I I think, from what I've read, that have kind of become controversial in the last few years. Could you speak um, to that for us a little bit? Yeah.
2: Um, well, first of all, it's it's irrefutable that sunscreen decreases sunburn risk. It decreases skin cancer and photo aging. So that is irrefutable and not a controversy. Um, but there are some other controversies. So one of the controversies is um, the concern for systemic absorption. So the, some of these chemical sunscreens, um, they've tested them and they found that there may be some uh, of these ingredients that can be systemically absorbed into the plasma. Mm-hmm. And those levels surpass the FDA safety threshold um, for some of them. But What they don't know is whether that causes any harm. So finding it in the blood doesn't necessarily lead to any harm. So they're doing more studies on this. The FDA is asking for more safety data um, to what extent the skin absorbs sunscreen and whether absorbing sunscreen actually has any effect on your skin or your body. Um, Another thing is like the environmental standpoint. So as of January 2021, some places, um, for instance, Hawaii has banned the sales of sunscreens containing a few different ingredients. That are chemical blockers, um, oxybenzone and octinoxate. So those were present in a lot of sunscreens and led to coral reef bleaching. And so oh, okay. Those, yeah. So in those instances, some of these places have banned chemical sunscreens, uh, particularly mm-hmm. those ingredients. Um, you still can use a mineral-based sunscreen in those areas. So they'll have very specific recommendations and guidelines on what you can use.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So those okay. are are a couple of the big controversies.
0: Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I, I I've heard a little bit about those things. So thank you for elaborating. Yeah.
1: Yeah. We've seen so much too, just an increase in social media, just talking about sun protection and, you know, is there something that is causing this increase of it being common or is it just because we're re- we or getting prepared for summer, you know, is yeah. that just, <laughs> it's yeah. like getting ready for Christmas? Well,
2: um, I think social media, I've noticed it too. And uh, there's several factors at play. So first of all, the fear factor, um, skin cancer and melanoma victims. So melanoma, unfortunately, can affect young people who have a lot of life left. And in those people, when um, if they had a melanoma, particularly that led to death, that is something that we want to bring awareness to that this could be um, detected early and treated very well. So um, that was that was probably the first thing. And then as the consumer demand boomed, there's um, an elegance and branding of sunscreen products that's improved and evolved. Um, so like beauty influencers have marketed sunscreen and it's anti-aging capabilities. So knowing it prevents age spots and fine lines and wrinkles. And so the sunscreen really has kind of found its way to the foundation of most beauty routines, which um, I'm all for, that's good social media.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree that it is. And um, it's funny because my daughter is is just at that age where, you know, social media is a huge part of her life. She's 19 and her skincare routine is like, oh my goodness, it's so good. She it, it takes her a long time. You know, we can be in the bathroom together and I'll be like, do, 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 And she's like, you know, doing all this and her oil and her... So I just I always tell her, man, I wish I had done that from from your age on because I'd probably have really nice skin now. But um, I think this younger generation is really mindful of it. And I, we're going to see it in about 30 years when they're all walking around in their 50s, looking like they're still in their 20s. So I, it's a good thing. I guess that's, that's some good and bad to social media. So we'll, we'll call that. call that a win yeah yeah so would you mind just giving us your top general product recommendations Uh, sun protection is just like what we talked about last week you know there's so much out there and i've heard about you know like what's the word helio something and uh, you know there's different spfs and there's it's overwhelming so what do we need to be doing when we're protecting our skin from the sun yeah well
2: Sunscreen um, is definitely important, but some of these other things are even more important. So um, trying to avoid really intense sun hours. So between the times of about 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., if you can seek the shade during those times, that's going to be better. Sun protective clothing like wide brimmed hats, um, shirts that have sun protection built into them. Those are really effective for people who have to work outdoors. Um, And then based on the controversies that we discussed, I usually recommend a mineral based sunscreen. So right now the mineral based sunscreens, which are um, zinc oxide or titanium dioxide, those are generally recognized as safe and effective by the FDA. So most of the sunscreens that I recommend would be leaning towards a mineral based um, sunscreen. They also call them physical blockers. but really the best sunscreen is one that will be regularly used with and frequently. So whether it's mm-hmm. medically elegant, affordable, um, if you care about the environment and that's an important thing for you find one that you're comfortable with, but you know, trying to minimize any barrier to using sunscreen is you, you have to give somebody a sunscreen that they're gonna use. It can't be that white zinc oxide that you remember. Yeah, from- no, I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, They've it micronized t- it now, so it's much more elegant. Okay, so don't be good.
0: Afraid- <laughs> That's good to <laughs> <No>. know. <laughs> I wonder too, I think the spray stuff is so convenient because it's just easier to put on, but I also feel like when we use the spray stuff, we miss parts. So it it isn't better to actually have a lotion that you're rubbing onto your skin so you're not missing anything or is the spray okay?
2: The sprays sprays can work. Um, My personal preference is to start with a base layer of a lotion if you can. Um, particularly like on my kids I'll put sunscreen on as a base layer of lotion and then for reapplication use the sprays you can use the sprays at first if you want to and there are zinc based sprays for instance there's a brand called Elta MD that I really like we carry that in the clinic Um, you can't get it at drugstores but it's not that expensive they make a very nice zinc based spray that you can see where you put it and then you rub it in Um, that's great it's great, and it's re great for reapplication too. So sprays are okay. You just have to put them on. You can't put them on like bug spray. If you put them on like bug spray, they're just not thick enough.
1: So you have to put right. a good layer on and then kind of rub it in. Okay, thank you. That's good. To yeah, know. that is good. That's a good tip. I remember. Um, I have three kids myself, and I remember uh, with my youngest spraying them with spray, but not rubbing it in, and so he had stripes. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I love the uh, the tip of just putting lotion on underneath and then, you know, and the kids just want to go play and you're trying to wrangle them in and I got to get another dose, you know, or some more spray on you or some more sun protection. And, um, so yeah. that's a, that's a really good tip, especially so, with too. little ones.
2: <laughs> yeah. I always try to do the first layer before you even get outside. So they're yeah. not so tempted to run away from you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or my kids try to go jump in the pool right away. Like, Oh, sorry. I'm wet and <laughs> like, yeah. well, dry off. And you're going to sit here. <laughs> that's a, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, um, Dr. Sundstrom, what would be, you know, just, I guess some possible signs of skin cancer when that is Discovered what would a patient expect when it comes to diagnosis or follow-ups and treatments? And I know that's a huge question, you know, there's all different types, but if you could just kind of give us some general guidelines.
2: Yeah. So uh, the kind of two things that people should be watching for the more common types of skin cancer the non-melanoma types of skin cancer they tend to present as non-healing sores. so pimple-like lesions that just don't go away Um, they might bleed easily when someone washes their face a spot that just doesn't seem to want to heal for months Um, and they might have a scaly surface or a scab but usually they're pink And those um, are basal cell and squamous cell most of the time. Um, Melanoma is going to be either a new or changing mole, usually dark, but not always. Um, Usually we talk about the ABCDE, so asymmetrical, irregular borders, um, C is for color, different colors in the same spot, D is for diameter, which is, um, if it's greater than a pencil eraser, just start looking at it, and E is for evolution, so anything that's changing. Um, Stable moles are typically benign, and moles that are changing in any of those would potentially deserve a second look. but if your mole is a little bit bigger than a pencil eraser, don't go thinking you have melanoma. Usually a few of those signs have to be seen in a, in a spot for us to really be suspicious of it. Um, so those are, the, those are the warning signs. Um, and then typically what we would do if somebody comes into the office is, um, well, first we'd assess their risk factors. So I'd go through the series of questions to try to figure out how concerned I am about this person just by talking to them, their tanning bed use and that type of thing. And then I usually perform a full body skin exam, which means evaluation of the entire surface of the skin. You can get melanoma in places that you never had sun. So um, on the underarms and on the bottom of the feet and in between the toes. So we just examine all those areas. And if we do identify a suspicious lesion, um, we often biopsy at the same day. So that gets us going on the path to diagnosis, which makes people comforted because most of the time everything can be treated here in the office. So nothing to be scared of, but Mm -hmm. just Get it going.
1: That's good. And I was going to ask too, I know um, we mentioned in the first um time we talked with you, you know, that you are accepting new patients, but where is your um clinic located?
2: We're in the Cornerstone Building, which is on the corner of Mulford and Guilford Road. It's that big red brick uh kind of semicircle building. So we're up on the second floor there, pretty easy to find. Um, And as I mentioned, almost every uh, skin cancer we can most of the time treat here, um, unless there's Mm a need to take lymph nodes or other things. But uh, we treat and diagnose skin cancers. I think we had almost 8,000 that we treated last year. So there's a a lot of that.
0: Yeah, good good to know and I, I'll admit I was one of those um, I went in and I had a little red bump right on my collarbone uh, I've already said I had, I had no sun protection as my as a kid so this is my mom's fault I'm no, just kidding um, and I just it, it was always just there and I never thought too much about it I was like oh well, yeah I've got this and she took it off I didn't feel a thing and found out that it was uh, I think it was squamous. it was you know so it, it was a good thing to catch early it was tiny and mm-hmm. you just walk out like okay that's gone that's taken care of so Um, and honestly, I never thought twice about it until I was in the office that day and said, oh yeah, you know, so if you see those things, it is, it's good to get them checked. You just, you just never know. You got to be safe. That's right. It's it's on
2: the surface and it's, it's usually very treatable. So might as well just take care of it. Yep.
0: All right. Well, this has been great. This is, uh, just great, such good information. And, um, something I think we all know about, but maybe don't practice what we need to all the time. So I think going into these warm months, it's timely, Um, just really important to share with as many people as we can. So once again, we truly appreciate you sharing all of your expertise with us today. Dr. Stenstrom, thank you for being here. And um, thank you again to all of our listeners for tuning in today. If you're not yet a subscriber, please consider subscribing. You'll continue hearing our content on all things healthy living. Thank you again, Dr. Stenstrom. My pleasure. Thanks. (laughs)
1: Thank <laughs>